0: The Chinmay Mission is a Hindu spiritual foundation rooted in India and formed by Swami Chinmayananda. It provides individuals from any background with the wisdom of Vedanta and the practical means for spiritual growth and happiness, enabling them to become positive contributors to society. In Hong Kong, its members are particularly active. But I was surprised to find that the leaders of the Chinmay Mission here in Hong Kong started out being regular people like you and me. The difference was, they were curious about the mission and how it could change their lives. I had a chance to speak with Swami Swarupananda, head of Southeast Asia for the Chinmay Mission and director of the Chinmay International Residential School, and also with Swamini Supriyananda, who heads Hong Kong. This is what we'll look at today on Yanto Yan. Swarupananda says that his first introduction to Hindu philosophy came from his grandmother.
1: As a child, my grandmother used to tell us many stories from the Ramayana, the Mahabharata, the Bhagavad Gita knowledge, even from the Guru Granth Sahib. So, and I was always fascinated by all these mystical stories, etc. But most beautiful was her own demonstration in life you know? a very calm beautiful personality and surprisingly she taught me some wonderful things which only in college I got to learn later on even relativity etc were there in these books of knowledge we generally were taught you know by our modern education that this was all mythology mythology or mythology uh, but I was fascinated that when I went to college, that what I was studying in my physics class was already there in some of these scriptures which my grandmother, who was not educated in modern school, schools would very, in very simple words point out to me time, space, relativity, etc. So naturally my inquiry was always there but at the same time when you grew up with modern education one thing I was always seeking was knowledge and that application of knowledge was to serve people and remove people's Mm -hmm. suffering and therefore thought the best thing would be to become a doctor lot of knowledge about human personality as well as uh, to you know go and serve the people and remove their sufferings came to Hong Kong because our Indian systems as you know of education we were two batches uh, that year I was in that batch of 1975 uh, where two batches or 77 when two batches were coming together and the seats were just going haywire and It was just impossible for anyone to recognize what courses they could take, etc. So then I came to Hong Kong after my studies and uh, that seeking was always there. That no academic knowledge really satisfied me. And even, you know, physiology, etc. were just becoming academic studies. didn't look like people really understood what human body is also. So I started inquiring and then somehow I came across this commentary of the Bhagavad Gita by Swami and the lying in my father's office. So, as most people make the mistake, I just opened it from the middle and tried to read the translation and understood neither head or tail of it. <laughs> but after a few more days, I thought, it's a claim to be one of the greatest books of knowledge in the world and such great people, even like Mahatma Gandhi and others, saints, sages, etc. have glorified it. People like Max Müller, etc. have spoken about it. There must be something in this book. And if my grandmother taught me these principles as a child, obviously there is something in it which can be easily understood. So I started reading from the very beginning with Swami Chinmayananda's commentary. And I was so fascinated that I could not keep the book down. I've never read A novel or any book of fiction, (laughs) uh, you know, with any fascination. But here was a book of truth and facts, and I just could not stop reading it. Everything made sense the way he had explained, because maybe we could not understand Sanskrit at that time. But the way Swami Chinmayanda had explained word by word, with its logic, with examples, etc., I could not stop reading.
0: What are those basics that uh, are in there that we must know about?
1: See, the basis of all transformation is hmm, a readiness to learn, hmm, a readiness to love, hmm, and a readiness to work hmm, towards our goal. This is the basis of it. For all these things to achieve, all what we call as virtues or good qualities. Are essential Today also in management, we are talking about it. First and foremost is that we require confidence to achieve anything in our life, whether material or spiritual. And confidence comes from a sense of fearlessness. This fearlessness comes when we have got virtues in our life. The moment you do something wrong, you know that you are doing something wrong, you lose courage, you are always fearful. And over a period of time, when people live wrong values or live a wrong way of life, then naturally they start losing confidence in their life. But one who lives a life of dharma, one who lives a life of virtues, hmm, such a person has got nothing to fear. And the first thing important to achieve anything in life is fearlessness, confidence. hmm? The second, what is required is patience. Patience. And patience comes with acceptance. Hmm? To do your best and leave the rest. As Sri Krishna has pointed out in the Bhagavad Gita, Karmanye vadikaraste te ma paleshu kadachana People want to do all esoteric practices but the basis of all practices is that do your best in life hmm? and whatever comes as a result of your actions, accept it. Your mind will be calm. You'll have a non-reacting mind. And a non-reacting mind is the mind that lives in the present. Hmm?
0: Why do we need to have a non-reacting mind? Isn't it the essence of life to react?
1: See, when you react, you're not in control. Hmm? When you act, it is under your control. Reaction is not under our control. It's impulsive. And what reaction we will get is also not in our control. But how we can plan our actions, how we can do our actions is definitely in our control. When a reaction comes to us, we can't stop it because it's the result of our own action. But if we accept it, we can act accordingly rather than reacting to that reaction of our action. Now, it sounds confusing if it's too many reactions, reactions, reactions. But when we get the fruit of our actions, hmm, rather than accepting it and making proper use of the result of our action, hmm, we react hmm, and make an impression. I hate it. I love it. hmm. And then we are bound by that itself again. That everything we like, we want more of it. Everything we dislike, we run away from it. And whether it is useful to us, it doesn't matter. So we never make the right use of things when we react. And uh, then suddenly one day, I'm given this poster to go and put in all the... Offices and shops that this great personality Swami Chinmananda is coming into town. Thought you know, some saintly person who will just come and give us a boring talk and who would probably just come and give us some do's and do's even though I'm reading his highly philosophical uh, commentary. But the impression that we have, especially when you grew up in India, that all these sadhu babas are kidnappers or something like that, you know. So, you know, it's a boogeyman of India, it's called sadhu baba, that's how we call it. So, in India, I guess I would have never gone to listen to a, you know, a holy man, but I was told by my father that, you know, this is one man, there is no nonsense, there is no hitting around the bush, Hmm? come and listen to him once, if he doesn't appeal to you, hmm, it's fine, but he didn't know I was already reading his book, and I was, of course, you know, very anxious to hear him, but still never, never thought, that anyone could be an orator, Mm. so humorous, so logical, Mm. so scientific in his approach in explaining the spiritual values which people only follow out of belief and so enthralling that you could be sitting there totally uplifted, inspired with clarity of mind and understanding and not one second of boredom Mm -hmm. He made it so interesting. Anyway I heard him for a couple of years but never got to be close to him till I got the chance to ask that question. hmm? That are there many paths or many meditations? And that day, you know, when he gave me this answer, you know, I said, Here's a master with such a universal outlook of life hmm? and with such freedom of thought and who gives us such freedom to follow what suits us the most, but the right path, of course. When I heard that from him, that time I thought in my mind that here is a guide, a mentor, whom I can definitely follow without any feeling that whether I'm following the right path or the wrong path. And that day I surrendered to him as a disciple. But after that, he had told us that we're having a spiritual camp at Siddhbadi a new ashram we had opened which is very close to where the Ramsala is today and uh, I just went for that camp it was in the Himalayas such a great guru or teacher like Swami Chinmananda Maharishi like him and and Himalayas, my childhood fascination to be in the Himalayas and then to study under such a great Rishi, I went there for two months and that was life transforming and uh, I saw his work I saw how a person can work 20 hours a day whose life was entirely for the people who travelled round the world and taught people from the largest cities and metropolitans of the world to the smallest villages hmm? This work that he did hmm? not only in this field of spirituality, but education, medical care, village upliftment program, woman vocational guidance, etc., when I saw all that work, and most of all realized that here was a master who did not leave behind just his name and legacy, but was training many, many other dedicated people hmm, as brahmacharis or students, to take this knowledge in different languages, to different places, Different cultures hmm, in the Sandipni Satnale. And I felt that if he did not do all this, I would have definitely not got this knowledge. So I decided hmm, that if I can be just part, a little small drop in his infinite glory of his seva, his work and service to, I would say, to the world, not just mankind. So I decided to join the Sandipni Sadnale. And I tell you one thing, which is the next question I always ask. Have you ever regretted doing that? I would say not even a trace of it.
0: Swamini's Supriyananda had a different story. She grew up in Australia and joined the mission there. Later, she came to Hong Kong, where she says working at the mission wasn't necessarily easy because very few people here are interested in spiritual matters.
2: I think this knowledge is extremely powerful, and I think you um, um, in Hong Kong. The the challenge is that people aren't always interested. You know, you've you've got a job that's demanding. You've got a family. You want to be a you know a good parent. You you want to fit into the social pressures, and you want to make sure you're invited to the right parties, and you're wearing the right outfits. and And so sometimes spirituality can easily be missed, and so. Um, initially, when I came to Hong Kong, I wondered to myself, they don't really want an ashram or a teacher. But, you know, if Gurudev's vision was, and, and Swami and the G was here for so many years, and it did make an impact, then I thought, well, we'll just keep trying. Um, and over the years, I've realized that you never know when something's going to touch, and you never know who it's going to touch. And so, in fact, I was at just yesterday we were at dinner, and we had done a Diwali workshop about six, seven years ago, where I said, you know, now women are not living with their mother-in-laws, women are not in extended family situations, Diwali time comes, and you want to do at least one puja right in the year, and you want to write the lamp, and you want to do, bring in the blessings and have some sense of auspiciousness, and they don't know how. Because, you know, the elders in the family did it. So I did a very basic workshop of how you conduct your Diwali puja. And I remember at the end of the workshop, the feedback was, it was so simple, we knew that. And I thought, oh, okay. And then just yesterday, two ladies were telling me that they never sit down at their altar to do puja unless that book that I prepared for the workshop is open and that it has been so helpful because they feel they're doing it right. And yes, it was simple. And yes, some people knew, but they were the few who didn't. And so even though it took me six years to get that feedback, I think, well, that workshop all that time along, all that while ago, two people benefited, even if no one else did. So in, in such ways, I, I'll get feedback every now and then that it doesn't matter if right at that moment, 100 people come, 10 people come, two people come. It doesn't matter at that moment if people are saying shabash, um, well done, or if they are saying, oh, you know, you did this and you did that and Somewhere when it's meant to, something clicks. We did a Father's Day. You know, we have about 400 kids in Valvihar and we did, we're did. constantly doing stuff with the moms. And I'm always thinking, well, I don't know if they're getting enough quality time with dad. So we attempted to do this Father's Day. It was about three and a half hours, and we got the dads in, no moms, just the dads and the kids. And uh, dads were so, so hesitant to come. Because they thought, what am I going to preach to them? (laughs) And we did lots of activity. I think my preaching session was about 20 minutes. (laughs) But we did a lot of interactive activities. And again, two days back, a dad emailed me saying, I was talking to my friend. And I told him about this um, Father's Day that y'all did and the activity you conducted and while I was narrating it to him he teared up and he said he was going to go home and do the same thing with the kids and so when I read that I feel that's the Lord letting me know you just keep doing you never know let them take because it's the knowledge that's powerful and the minute the seed is planted it will grow So Swamini, you said when you came to Hong Kong, where did you come from? So my training was in India and I grew up in Australia and in South Africa. Born in Africa, then the whole family migrated to Australia. And
0: then how did you come to this?
2: To the mission? I think it always starts with a question. And for as long as I can remember, I think I was even six years old, maybe. The question that used to haunt me almost, I would use the word, is why was I born? And And I even remember once I asked every adult I knew, why were you born? So that I could figure out why I was born. And I remember at one point my dad said, you're scaring the guest away. You need to stop asking them this question. But I think for me, that was the question. I needed to know why I was born so that I could fulfill that purpose. And um, life brought Swami Chinmayananda's teachings into my life. I wasn't blessed enough to meet him in person, but I definitely feel I meet him when when I read the books or when I see the video or even when I meet people. So why were you born? To be perfect. To love and to to enjoy His love. And why are we born? Mm, Very same reason. To love and to enjoy His love.
0: And why are people in Hong Kong as you pointed out reluctant perhaps to mm, understand that or accept
2: it I mean most people would have understood that happiness comes from outside even though in you know if you're born into a Hindu, Hindu home you would like a parrot repeat happiness is inside but that's not where we look for it a 99.9 percentage of the population look for happiness outside. And then, you know, you look across at the neighbor and he's driving a Lamborghini and you think, oh, he's happy. Or you look across the table and there's somebody with all the branded things. and You know, who's got the, what we would say, the right job or and and the right look and and is however many years old but has still maintained her figure and and then we think well they must be happy. Uh, So we wrongly assume
0: Uh, all right. So here you are, you're you're a swamini. Now can you explain for our listeners what that means and what's the process
2: how did you get there? Well, I think different organizations and traditions, there's different steps. But within Chinmaya Mission, there's the Sandipani Sadhanalaya training, which is uh, two and a half years, sometimes a bit longer, Monastic training. So we live in the ashram. We yap at four in the morning. We are class at five in the morning. and The day is filled with Vedic chanting, learning Sanskrit, uh, attending the, the classes where we learn about the scriptures, um, time for our own personal practices, time to do seva within the ashram, to maintain the ashram. Um, and we get tested to make sure that we're understanding the scriptures properly. Then we get slowly trained on how to speak, to, to explain what we've learned. And then at the end of that monastic training, we're given a choice. Whether we'd like to go back to the life we've come from, or if we'd like to join the ashram and commit to full-time service. And so I chose the latter, and Guruji posted me here to Hong Kong. And then I think the first few years of when we posted to our centers is where most of the learning happened. While we're in the ashram, we're given the knowledge. But when we come into the centers, we have to practice the knowledge. And I guess it goes deeper and deeper. The understanding goes deeper as we're teaching it. And as you're interacting with people, it's a beautiful mirror to show you. Have you really been able to give up anger? Have you really been able to uh, be patient? Have you really given up likes and dislikes? And How much are you able to hold on to equipoise? And so the training doesn't stop with the monastic training.
0: And where does it go from here for you?
2: Well, the Lord is infinite. The truth is infinite. Our potential is infinite. Our ability to love is infinite. And so perfection is reaching that infinitude. In all those things, in my ability to be able to give, to to imbibe, and most of all for me to love, to love the Lord and His expression in everyone I meet.